Hi there. This is Doug from 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Now, before I start the show, there's something I need to let you know. I came up with a topic for this episode about two and a half weeks ago. Everything was fine. I was doing research, gathering my notes, and then late last week, all hell broke loose when a news story came out. Then I had to rewrite the end of my show because of a stupid news story. So I want to let you know I had the topic before all this news hubbub started up. There, I feel better. All right, let's start the show. Lift off and the clock has started. Welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak. Welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, for tuning in, downloading, whatever you're doing. I, I appreciate it. So let's see. Uh, this is episode 76. Now, I hope um, 2022 is treating you all well so far. It's been good here in the southern half of California. My COVID test came back negative, so I got that going for me. All right, let's start by saying hi to Adelaide and, and frankly, everybody in Australia. And happy Australia Day. Okay, technically it was on Wednesday. Australia Day is the official national day of Australia. It's observed annually on the 26th of January and marks the 1788 landing of the first fleet at Sydney Cove. Celebrations happen most everywhere that aim to show the diverse society and landscape of the nation. So happy Australia Day to all of my friends down under. Well, so hi to Hayward, California. They tuned in. Um, I actually lived in Hayward for a while. And once again, I want to say hola to my friends in Santiago, Chile. But uh, you know who hasn't uh, been on my list? I haven't seen anyone from any of Rhode Island's 39 cities download this podcast. That's just sad. Uh, They don't know what they're missing, I tell you. Come on, Coventry, 35,000 people live there. Or Pawtucket. 71,000 fine citizens there, and New Shoreham, 1,400 people live there. Someone has to tune this in. (laughs) All right, today's topic, I'm going to start with this, all right? Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Now, I know that you know what I'm talking about, and I'm certain you've gobbled up handfuls of them sometime during your life. Since being released to the masses in the 1940s, M&Ms have been a favorite of candy lovers everywhere. But have you ever really uh, wondered where the name came from? Well, most people believe that the famous M on the candy shell stands for Mars Incorporated, the company that produces M&Ms. So yeah, you're right. But I can only give you half credit because that's just half of the story. The full credit is that there were two famous candy makers. Both of them had the initial M who were responsible for the production of the little candy bits. In 1911, Frank C. Mars founded the Mars Incorporated, which was a small confectionery business in Tacoma, Washington. Now, as it neared time for Frank to retire, he groomed his son to take his place. However, father and son disagreed on plans to expand to Europe. Forrest Mars was estranged from his father, and in the early 1930s, he moved to Europe to learn how to start his own business. Now, while abroad, Forrest Mars saw British soldiers who were fighting the Spanish Civil War eating small, pill-sized candies called Smarties. They were made by the British company H.I. Roundtree and Company. They were made with a chocolate center and a hard candy shell. Sound familiar? Forrest was shocked to see that these candies held up in the summer heat and that they were small and easy to transport. They were also less messy than pure chocolate candies. Well, Forrest returned to the United States and began his own company called Food Products Manufacturing. Now, in 1941, Mars approached Bruce Murray 
You probably figured out that's the other M. Bruce was a son of Hershey president William Murray. Oh, the plot thickens, doesn't it? Like Forrest, Bruce didn't agree with the way his father was running his company, so he was looking for someone to team up with to change the industry. Now, Forrest wanted Murray to join him in the new business venture. You see, Mars anticipated a shortage of chocolate and sugar as World War II raged on in Europe. He figured a partnership with Murray would ensure a steady supply of resources he needed to produce his new candy. In return, Murray received 20% stake in the M&M product. While Mars had the patent for the candy, Murray had the chocolate. In 1941, they began to produce their first batches of their coated chocolate candies under the new company known as Mars and Murray, or you guessed it, M&M for short. The M&M Limited Company started its life in a factory located in Clinton Hill, New Jersey. Now, at first, the M&Ms were sold exclusively to the U.S. Armed Forces as the candies were heat-resistant and traveled well. The partnership was very successful, and by the time the GIs returned home, they were hooked on the the M&Ms. Good reviews helped spur the demand and sent production to an all-time high. However, with the exciting jump in sales came a new low for M&M themselves. Murray had realized that the larger the company got, the more Mars had become a nightmare to work with. Eventually, Mars became so impatient and unbending that Murray ended up taking a $1 million buyout just to get rid of him. <laughs> what, only $1 million? Ouch. Although Murray soon left the company, Forrest Mars continued to thrive as a businessman. And when his father died, he took over the family business Mars Incorporated and merged it with his own company. He continued to run the company until 1973 when he retired and turned the company over to his children. Now, in retirement, he started yet another company, Ethel M. Chocolates, named after his mother. That company continues to thrive today as a maker of premier chocolates. Since their rise to popularity, the M&M itself hasn't changed very much. The formulas remain the same, though the colors and fillings have gone through a ton of changes. Shortly after the wartime quotas on sugars and chocolates and things like that ended, the candies were made available to the general public. M&Ms were originally sold in cardboard tubes. I remember the Ghirardelli, little round Ghirardelli discs were also sold in cardboard tubes. But in 1948, the familiar brown bag was introduced and is still in use today. A couple of years later, the company was fearful of knockoff candies, so they started imprinting the candies with a black M. They encouraged their customers to, quote, look for the M on every piece, end quote. That was to ensure they're getting the real thing. In 1954, the M color was changed to white. Now, the original M&M was a plain chocolate with a signature brown candy shell. The original colors after brown were red, orange, yellow, green, and violet. Now, if you've ever been to the M&M store in Las Vegas or Orlando, I think there's even some in New York, London, and Shanghai, well, then you know there like are a bajillion different M&M colors and flavors. In the early 1970s, a Russian study was released linking FD&C red number two to cancer and fetal death. At the time, FD&C red number two was the most widely used commercial food dye in America. Following more studies, the Food and Drug Administration banned its use in 1976. Although the red food coloring in question was not actually used in M&Ms, Mars removed the red candies from the color mix to avoid consumer confusion. Following public demand, 
They were reintroduced in 1987. By then, red dye number two was proven not to be carcinogenic after all. Thanks, Russia. Now, there are classics like peanut and peanut butter or recurring flavors like mint and caramel. And there are some, well, let's just say there are some interesting ones like pretzel, (laughs) birthday cake, (laughs) and, you know, and carrot cake. When I'm thinking about popping a candy in my mouth, the last thing I want to do is have to taste like carrot cake. Uh, There's also candy apple and, of course, the obligatory pumpkin spice. Of course, there's pumpkin spice. Just listen to episode 62. Although the candy is famous worldwide, not too much is really known about the candy-making process itself. Mars Incorporated is still privately owned and funded, and rumors have persisted for decades about the goings-on inside the factories. (laughs) Sounds like a Willy Wonka episode to me. Legend has it that contractors hired to repair machines once had to be led in blindfolded. (laughs) What is happening in there? And executives would disguise themselves for meetings with competitors and outsiders. Oh, man. According to Frank Mars Files, not even the company bankers had access to the financial records, a tradition that may continue to this day. The company is rumored to make over $35 billion a year, which would place it around 83 on the Forbes Fortune 500 list, though because they don't file federal tax information. What? They've never been included. Yeah, I'm not on the uh, Fortune 500 list either. So, Well, I think it's time for an intermission. And I say we head out to the snack bar and pick up a bag of M&Ms. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the M&M mascots and a lot about green. All right, off to the snack bar. voiceover guy record that in the bathroom <laughs> bathroom jesus enough echo on that all right let's get back here way back in 1954 early black and white tv commercials for m&ms featured two talking animated m&m characters one was plain and one was peanut the commercial showed them diving into a swimming pool full of chocolate raise your hand if you remember that <laughs> yeah get as old as i am The first version of the characters in CGI the most everybody knows nowadays was a 1994 celebrity campaign which had the characters interacting with celebrities on which M&M candy color was their favorite. Uh, Danny DeVito, John Goodwin, and a bunch of other people were stars in that. Well, in 1995, the first female M&M mascots were introduced. Green was the milk chocolate mascot and tan was the peanut version. Marketing discontinued tan. Oh, tan got the pink slip. When they introduced the then new blue mascot, green was the only female M&M's mascot from her introduction in 1995 until 2012 
when Eminem unveiled a new additional spokescandy, Ms. Brown. She was the chief chocolate officer. All right, now there have been a lot of rumors associated with different colors of candy. Now you might have heard of some of these. Here's one. If the last candy out of the bag is red, make a wish and it's going to come true. (laughs) If the last candy out of the bag is orange, you're in for some good luck. But if the last candy out of the bag is brown, well, bad luck is ahead. And if the last candy out of the bag is yellow, you should call in sick and stay home. (laughs) I have no idea why, but that's the rumor. If it's yellow, you should call in sick and stay home. The M&M Mars company says that these rumors were developed by consumers, not by the company. We had nothing to do with it. They're also very emphatic about this next rumor. We turn our attention to the green M&M. Rumors, conspiracies, and teenagers for decades have all believed that somehow the green M&Ms are an aphrodisiac. The rumor that these green candies are an aphrodisiac apparently started or first gained prominence in the late 1970s when students reportedly picked the green ones out of packages to feed to the objects of their desires. At the time, an average 10% of plain M&Ms and 20% of peanut M&Ms were green. Why green uh, was attributed with this power is really not very well known. Some suggest, this is, I don't buy this one. Some suggest it was because the color green has always been associated with healing and fertility. (laughs) I'll I'll let that one sink in too. Finally, in 2001, M&M started using the mythical image associated with green M&Ms to its advantage when they ran it as Is it true what they say about the green ones? Advertising campaign. To boost the rumor they introduced, the vampy and seductive Ms. Green M&M character. In 2008, the company announced that for its annual Valentine's Day promotion, it would be selling bags of all green green candies in addition to the usual Valentine-themed packages of red and pink M&Ms. Proclaiming green is the new color of love <laughs> this Valentine's Day. <laughs> Way to jump on that, Eminem. I love it. Well, I'm uh, sorry to say, change is on the horizon. Candy is about to get more inclusive. Mars announced, thanks for screwing up my script. Mars announced that the famed characters are getting modern makeovers and will have a more, quote, nuanced personalities. The company said they're creating a, quote, global commitment to creating a world where everyone feels they belong and society is inclusive. As part of the new mission to increase the sense of belonging for 10 million people around the world by 2025, Mars said the M&M's characters who serve as mascots of sorts for the brand would be receiving fresh new looks. In particular, the green M&M previously seen in ads posing seductively and strutting her stuff in white go-go boots Well, she's now going to sport a pair of sneakers. What? (laughs) A description for the green candy on Eminem website says she enjoys, quote, being a hype woman for my friends. (laughs) She also says, apparently, because she's quoted, I think we all win when we see more women in leading roles. So I'm happy to take on the part of a supportive friend when they succeed. (laughs) This is a candy talking, by the way. (laughs) Another character, the brown Eminem, Uh, described her motto as, not bossy, just the boss. (laughs) 
Oh, man. Mars said in announcing the refresh that M&Ms will have, quote, an updated tone of voice that is more inclusive, welcoming, and unifying, while remaining rooted in our signature jester wit and humor. The green M&M is the best she's ever been, at least that's what the woman who voiced the candy character thinks, and she says it's time everyone hopped on board with being more open-minded. Larissa Murray is the woman who previously voiced the green M&M for commercials. She says this is a good thing. She says we're all a little bit more woke now than we were 10 or 20 years ago, so it's time to move forward and embrace the change. Larissa says, quote, The changes, particularly Green's toned-down makeup, embraces the notion that you can wear sneakers and look a little boyish and still look sexy. As she put it, quote, non-binary can be sexy too, end quote. So, yeah, okay, I get it. M&M's is changing their mascots or trying to up their game. Brown M&M is getting kitten heels instead of her signature stilettos, and we already know that Green hit DSW and picked up some sneakers. Well, company president Anton Vincent said, These relatively simple changes were meant to promote, quote, inclusivity and bring the female presenting characters in line with current trends that are more representative of our consumer. Well, it did not take long. And the Internet, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, AOL, Prodigy, Tiki-Taki machinery is full of people complaining. Some Eminem superfans are criticizing the changes, saying they want the OGs back and they should be hotter. Put green back in her go-go boots. <laughs> and there's even a change.org petition to bring her back. Oh my God, people, seriously. So are you wondering what's the basis of these complaints? Who are these people with a thing for sexy M&Ms? Well, I found one. Now this is going to be hella controversial. Uh-oh. In a bizarre twist of events, right-wing commentators here in the United States have jumped on the changes as representative of a larger, quote, cancel culture sweeping the country. Who's leading the way, you ask? Well, it's none other than Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Now, for my international listeners, uh, if you don't know who Tucker Carlson is, he is a commentator on a uh, conservative television channel, and he is not afraid to um, let us know his opinion on things. Now, I don't care if you like Tucker or not. Personally, I don't. But that doesn't mean he hasn't gone off the deeper end of the stupid pool with this comment. He said last week he connected Mars' decision to make its cartoons less sexy to the decline of American society. He said, and I quote, M&Ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any one of them. That's the goal. (laughs) Again, Let that sink in. He doesn't want to have a drink with an unappealing M&M. He added, quote, when you're totally turned off, we've achieved equity. I don't even know what the hell that last statement means. So you know what? I'm just going to end this episode right here. Okay. (laughs) Good for you, M&Ms. All right. What have we learned today? Well, we learned that Frank Mars stole the idea for M&Ms from the H.I. Roundtree Company in England. Sorry, England. We learned that if the last candy out of the bag is red, make a wish. Apparently, it's going to come true. We learned that Doug shouldn't pick his topics two and a half weeks early. It's going to come back and bite him. And we learned if you're a famous green M&M and you're wearing go-go boots, somebody wants to have a drink with you. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode. (laughs) 
I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And all, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.